Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, the podcast where we take a deeper look into teams, coaches, and trends of the NBA. I'm your host, Coach Mark Tinklenberg. It's time to settle in and enjoy as we talk about the league. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Knock If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, Lakers Fast Break, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown. I am your host, Mark Tinklenberg. I'm here with Zach and our ever always present guest, Coach O, is joining us again tonight. Uh, Mike is on vacation. This is episode number 24. Um, I'm going to let Zach talk here in a second about maybe something that we'll be transitioning into podcast. Um, But before that, I just want to say subscribe, like our stuff, X underscore breakdown on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and make sure that you guys comment, give us a five-star review. We do want to keep this thing going, but we do have some quick news before we get the episode started. Zach. Yeah. So there's going to be some changes on how we're run, um, and with hoop head hoops and everything. And we want to thank Mike and everybody from hoops head. looks like he's transitioning into doing some other things. Uh, more so time frame. It's a lot of editing and we appreciate you for doing all that for everybody. Um, so different stuff coming ahead, whether YouTube, this, all kinds of things are be changing, but uh, keep your eyes on social media. We'll update on Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And we'll keep you guys updated with what we're going to be going into. So look for that coming soon after this episode. Right now, big episode 24 is huge because it is Mamba's episode. Tink, this this is where you come in to shine, big boy. Tell, tell me how you feel about episode 24 and what that means to you. That number means to you. It is. And I can't wait to hear, um, you know, your guys' input too. But uh, I was talking with both these guys, Coach O and Zach, before the episode. And uh, I watched Mamba's career unfold um, from 8 to 10 at the Olympics to 24 uh, at the tail, second half of his career. And what's crazy about Kobe is when you look at his career, you know, 8 and 24 – um, it's almost identical uh, in terms of stats and championships. And, um, but to me, um, 24 was the best Kobe. Uh, I thought that's when he was at the peak of his powers, um, when he was 29, 30, 31 years old. Um, and before he got hurt um, at 34 years old, was still, you know, arguably the best player in the league at that time towards the end of the season when he was going on just a crazy run. Um, and so we're going to kind of just talk about him for a second in the beginning. And, and the reason he's important and we're going to talk about him in this episode is because he's been mentioned a lot in the NBA finals. And I think what's cool about Kobe towards the second half of his career 
um, was that he turned in, he, he turned into this killer snake and it became who he was. Um, and, and it was created this huge kind of global phenomenon. That was the black Mamba. Um, and then after he got hurt, you know, he came back and he was a mentor and he was a mentor for guys like Devin Booker and Giannis um, and so many others across the league. And um, now you see these guys on the biggest stage in the NBA finals and they're talking about, you know, what Kobe would say to them if he were still around. Um, and I love that everybody that has, you know, been in touch with Kobe, you know, before he passed and was training with him and stuff, they all say the same thing. They say he would just say, hey, the job's not finished. And that's Kobe in a nutshell. But, you know, this episode is is kind of dedicated to him because our job's not finished either here. And we were talking about that. We want to do bigger. We want to do more. We love basketball and we love the NBA. And even though I've become a head coach now, you know, this is still so much of what is a part of my life is the NBA. And Kobe is still such a big part of what made me love that and follow that and be and become such a uh, an NBA fanatic, even though, you know, the Lakers are everything I am and, and I love. But he is a big part of the reason I was motivated to do this with Zach in the first place, because I wanted to get on and talk about him and, you know, how he he was so dynamic and changed everything for basketball. So um, tell me what you guys think about what is the number 24 when you think about Kobe Bryant? What does he mean to you? Always a pleasure, guys. Um, I think for me, um, just as a general general um, retrospect on it, I think when we grow up liking a sport, and same as you, I uh, think basketball has been a big part of my life. We tend to focus on things and block out others. What I mean by that is a lot of times we have our favorite teams, we have our favorite players, we watch our favorite teams and a lot of times we end up hating the guys that we, that we go up against. Right. We don't like the fact that um, Seth Curry can shoot. So we're like, Oh, I hate the fact that Seth Curry is beating my team and whatnot, you know? And when Kobe passed, it was me being a basketball guys. It was the first kind of celebrity that was close to me, you know, that, that passed. It made me reevaluate how, I was watching basketball, how I was appreciating these talents and these guys that are every day a part of our lives almost. Sometimes some of them are more present than regular people, right? They're so present in our lives. It made me pay a different kind of attention to it. Because what I found out was that a lot of times what happened was that I was so focused on my team, which is Raptors, LeBron, and all those things. You have a tendency to kind of like, Greatness is in front of you and you don't actually pay attention to it. And that's something that kind of like changed with his passing. It's unfortunate that had to happen when, you know, a celebrity that I respected um, passed, but it's a different perspective. And I kind of, I kind of watch the game differently, guys. Lately, I've been, you know, more appreciative, you know, I've, I've watched more Indiana Pacers all year than, <laughs> than, My guy. than what I've done, you know? Pacers, Charlotte, you know, just appreciate people, just appreciate what they're doing. They're going on uh, the biggest stage every day. So to me, 24 is just like, I don't want to spend, you know, the every 24 every day is a different day. I don't want to spend those days missing out on, on life in general, you know, so it's more of a um, 
a conscious decision that I made going moving forward. Yeah, I feel that. And, you know, as I said on our anniversary episode of when he passed, I didn't think I was going to be emotional the way that I was emotional when Kobe died. It's not one of the things that I really thought would happen to me, but it was one of the, it was probably like you said, coach O as a celebrity or someone of that status, the only one that I've been that emotional for, which does speak to our love of the game because he put his heart and soul into that game. And you're right. I watched more detailed action than I used to. I, you know, I was a very much, I pay attention to, to things a little closer, whether that being through a podcast and I almost have to, so I know what I'm talking about. But like, I feel like when Kobe passed away, I look and grade players, like almost like Kobe would grade players where I feel like I can say like, I'm harder on a guy like Giannis who can't hit free throws. Yes. He's doing great. He can score and all those things, but I still analyze a little bit more, you know, I'm more detailed, more nitpicky because I know the work that Kobe put in day in and day out. Like when you see some of the diva and the superstars, the Ben Simmons who has big holes in his game and all these things. And like, you hear rumors of like work ethic for stuff like that. And I'm like, it, it pisses me off because I'm like, how dare you not put effort into what you're doing? And I put Kobe as one of my standards is like, look at what he did. Look what he's done for the NBA. And I think that's going to continue. Um, I, I love seeing the storylines of Devin Booker and how much he looked up to Kobe, you know, the, this year, this many years later. And I don't honestly think it's going to end. That's how much he meant to the game. This isn't going to be like a, hey, we five years from now, we think, you know, you know, pandemic Kobe. I think there's going to be so many comparisons and and he's going to be brought up in conversation often. And I know it's like, is it because of the death? But yet, yeah, whether it was death or not, but it just makes us realize what he did mean to the game with him passing. And it, I don't see it going away. These conversations when I think finals. Yes, I think Jordan. But I think Kobe of like what he did with the Lakers and all those years. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, my heart always still goes out to his family. I mean, that, that's gotta be one of the hardest things. Not only did you lose a, a husband and a father, but you lost one of the, like one of the most polarizing figures in, in social media and the game in the world. I mean, think about how many people know Kobe Bryant, that's got to be so hard still to this day. Um, I hate it. I still hate it that he's gone. I really, really do because I was so excited to see it. And, and Gianna, I was still excited to see her play. And that kills me as well. Um, not only is Kobe gone from the game, but she was going to be <clears throat> the face of the WNBA. And what's that? It is. And <clears throat> the other part that, kind of was brought up from this was that um two days ago was the uh date back in 1996 when the lakers got draft rights to kobe and traded for him and away his career went um so this episode needed to start with that because anytime we have anything involving uh the mamba he he deserves our praise and our shout out um but as you guys both mentioned and as I mentioned, you know, he's had a large impact on what's going on right now in the NBA, in the NBA finals. 
And I tweeted the other week, you know, I was watching Devin Booker play and listen, he's not the next Kobe Bryant. Okay. He's not, but there are flashes in his game. Those jab step, you know, jab, go one dribble fade, get hit on the wrist, still hitting it. One dribble pull-ups that make you just think for a second, damn, I know where he got that from. You know, I know where he got that move from. Um, and Devin Booker right now, I know he had a rough game three, but I mean, hey guys, let's let's understand that you know Kobe Bryant had some games in the NBA playoffs uh, that weren't great on his first time on that stage, and this is Devin Booker's first time on this stage, and he's gotten in the NBA Finals. He's averaged twenty eight and a half points a game, um, and he's got every finish and and shot in the book. And there are some things about his game that definitely remind you. That yeah, this guy worked with Kobe. You know, Kobe showed him that. And Giannis, you know, he was challenged by Kobe. And he said, Yeah, you got the MVPs, a championship's next for you. You know, be great, strive for greatness, whatever he hashtag all those times. And so there's a lot of things on both sides going on here. And let's talk about the NBA finals now for a second, guys. We got a two-one series. Giannis is just absolutely playing out of his mind. And it is it is really fun to watch, to be honest with you. I did not expect this. Uh, we've been hard on him. Um, we've questioned his skill. We've questioned his ability to finish games. We've questioned his ability with you, Coach O, even on here. What's he going to do when teams load up against him? And this has been happening, and he's coming off a f- disgusting, could could have been you know, almost career ending injury had it been worse or gone a different way. I mean, and he's come back to the NBA finals and him and Shaq are the only two people to put up 40 and 10 plus in back-to-back games in the NBA finals. Talk to me. First of all, what you guys see in him and then tell me about what do you see or how do you see this series playing out? You know, we said seven games, this was a toss up, but you go down the checklist. Suns have a couple of advantages. Maybe I don't know. Um, tell me what you guys think about that. I think going into it, when we first talked about this um, earlier this season, I think what we were mostly worried about was, was Milwaukee going to do some adjustment? You know, how, how Milwaukee used to play before was they would have their game plan and just own in on that. So it's easier for teams to basically game plan to prep against Milwaukee. But now you get into a situation where Milwaukee is doing different things. Milwaukee has established that Chris Middleton is going to be our closer, and we're going to get a little more Giannis screening the ball and rolling to the basket. Giannis is not pulling up from three as much anymore, right? Part of it was, you know, was Giannis going to start shooting threes, just play outside of what made him great? That's the first part that I like about Milwaukee. I like the fact that they were willing to show different looks, um, different pick and roll coverages and uh, different, you know, different bodies on depending on who the players are. Their additions, the people that they added, um, don't get enough praise. I think you're looking at P.J. Tucker, Bryn Forbes. You're looking at Bobby. Bobby is huge. Bobby's a huge guy to have. Um, All these additions have made it so that they have the little extra elements where they're able to throw different looks at you. Um, from a game perspective, I love it. I love the fact that it's two new teams. I like that. Um, 
but it's 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 I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun with this one. So, wait, you wanted to know what was the what was the biggest um what's biggest your takeaway from it? What's your prediction? Prediction. prediction. Uh, I don't know where this going now? I mean, I think, we know it's two one. I think, we know we got another game in Milwaukee. I think I think, I think Chris Paul is due. I think it's I think it's due time for Chris Paul. Absolutely. And that could easily be the case. Zach, what do you see? You know, I, I see a Milwaukee team. I, I do see this is going to go probably six or seven games. I think each team's going to take care of their home court. Um, Suns also have not lost two games back-to-back all postseason. So this next game will be that test if, if they, they can. But I think Milwaukee at home does what they should do. It's sad they can't repeat it on a consistent level on the road. At least they haven't been able to do in the playoffs, but they they defend their home court. They have all season. That's what they do. What I see in Giannis, and like I was saying, I've had my negativities with him and holes that I'll say are holes in his game, as I put up air quotes. But yes, does he need some sort of jump shot consistent? Yeah, I mean, more so it'll just make him more unstoppable, but he's already pretty unstoppable in the paint. So I think it's more so do I start go – Starting to go, am I thinking of him as a player that he's not? And that's almost my fault more than his fault. Am I analyzing him as a small forward wing guy when really I need to think of him as just a low post player? And, and it's, am I putting him in a bucket that he didn't belong into in the first place? And that could be a possibility. Now, he has time to develop those other skills still at least hit some free throws for me on a consistent basis, something like that. Uh, get a 15 footer. That's okay. I don't need you consistently to shoot threes. I don't, they should have to think about it. Maybe have to close on you a few more times, but I don't need you to, to me, like Giannis is our mold going forward. When LeBron's gone, all these things that has the potential. If you can shape that coal into a diamond, he he's that coal that like he could be, this like really, really amazing and unstoppable player in all facets. And honestly, if he doesn't, he's still going to be dominant and that's fine. What I'm seeing. And I think what everyone's seeing is this kind of says a more consistent coach for Giannis could be a dangerous thing. Boonholzer, we've talked about even last episode, he has some holes in his coaching and be able to make changes on the fly, all these kind of things. Like, yeah, they ended up going a little smaller. It helped them a lot this last game. Great call. But his end game needs to be a little bit better as a coach. We see that with what Monty does. He's able to adjust on the fly. He did, that's he's a great coach on that side. He doesn't have that. So I still think there's a chance even where they go that – Boonholzer could be let go. I think that's still a possibility. And him with a really, really great coach that'll coach to what his game is and what the team can do with Middleton and everybody, that can be dangerous from Milwaukee. They're going to keep being in the position to possibly make it through the Eastern Conference. Um, But no, as you said, this has been a fun playoffs for just a basketball fan. No, it maybe doesn't, even with the stars that are in it, it's not like the superstars that we're used to with the Stephs, the LeBrons, but these are these boys are playing some ball. We're seeing the young stars for that we'll see for years later after LeBron's gone, after Chris Paul's gone. These are the young stars we're seeing almost maybe earlier than we expected. 
in the Bookers, the the Aitons, you know, Giannis. This is just a new set coming in, and I love that we're kind of getting a little preview of it. And here's what I think about Milwaukee that hasn't been hit on yet, is that they were supposed to come into this season with a big three, and Drew Holiday has had a bunch of stinkers. I mean, offensively, he's been horrific. Um but what he has done is he's really made Phoenix work on offense. He is fighting through screens. He is um, defensively. He has been who we expected him to be defensively. Offensively, he has just been a shell of himself. And you can see the indecisiveness as he plays. He doesn't know whether to shoot, whether to pass. He, he's very indecisive. He's not confident. Um, and so Giannis is kind of, He's got a carry in the load right now, and it's really impressive to watch. And if they can get Drew Holiday going a little bit, all of a sudden, guys, this series is a true toss-up because Phoenix has their big three, um, and, and they have their role players that sit in. But as you said, Coach O, Milwaukee's role players, they fit well, and they have just as much of a punch sometimes as Phoenix and they need that one last punch to really put them over the top because, as you said, They've removed Brooke Lopez out now in game three, and I'm assuming they'll stick with us in game four. They put Bobby Portis in, and now they switch everything on the perimeter, and they're really making it hard for Phoenix to get those looks that they were getting against Brooke Lopez. And that was the part that we were talking about earlier, Zach, is that does Budenholzer have the ability to actually make those changes because he will stick with Brooke Lopez till the death, it seems like. I don't know if Brooke Lopez or if Budenholzer owes him money, I don't know what the case is, but whatever it is, he really lives and dies by Brooke Lopez switching screens, sagging off, and just saying, okay, if you want a 15-footer, take it. But the problem is that Chris Paul dropped 30-plus on your head in game one doing that. So you have to adjust, and he did. And now Bobby Portis comes in. Now they run small. They switch stuff. And I think we got ourselves a seven-game series. So intriguing stuff as we move forward uh, in the NBA. and. Um, I think that we all agree that this series will probably at, at least go six. And I would say we all agree that it goes seven with us all leaning towards the Suns. But Milwaukee has put themselves back in the game, obviously, with a big victory. And they play totally different at home. And we all know a series doesn't start until a road team gets a win. So let's see if Phoenix can do that, really separate themselves in the NBA Finals. In other news... Team USA has blown it again, losing to Nigeria and now Australia. And when you look at that roster, you think, how in God's name is that possible? And going back to Kobe, I know that when Kobe was playing on Team USA, I just want to say this would have never happened. Um, but you have to start wondering, what do we really got going on here? Popovich? Really? Is he struggling as a coach now? Is Has his time coming on as a coach? Are these players, are they really bought in? Um, what's going on with Team USA, guys? I mean, shocking losses, inexcusable losses. Does it mean anything? No. But have they learned anything? Obviously not after um, losing to Nigeria and now Australia. Talk to me. What's going to happen in the, in the Olympics for Team USA and Team USA basketball? Well, I think you're seeing – assumptive wins still these players are are going into these games and yes again their exhibition games 
but everyone is watching and you always have to hey make your statement that's what i liked about the last team nigeria lost by how many points like 80 some or something crazy i mean it was a crazy amount of points when they played nigeria the last time it was like 124 to whatever it doesn't matter like come on guys you need a leader someone needs to step up um on the usa side the lebron voice that type of that type of you know in-game coach needs to be there going into the Olympics. Um, is Kevin Durant that guy? He's the best player on the fo- on the floor for us. Is he that guy to kind of go, look, I'm going to throw everyone on my shoulders, didn't get to the finals, but I am going to leave my country to a gold medal. Is he that guy? I don't want to get upset by Australia and Nigeria when it comes to what we really need it. Start playing well now, boys. That's what I need you to do. Coach o, I'd love to hear it from the the up north perspective in, in Canada. What what you got for me? What do you think about these guys? I just so um the game's becoming international. Let's put that out there. I think there are so many different countries that are on the come up too that are starting to have an edge um where they're best players have NBA experiences. So they actually believe that they could, that they could, that these games are not upsets. These like, there's a certain confidence that you have by having guys who have that kind of experience. I'm talking about this from a perspective of um, Canada losing to um, the Czech Republic. And we had the first Sadoransky last week. Sadoransky looking like an all-star. You know, so it's just like there's there's a confidence that these teams are going. So we're talking about this Nigeria USA game, not defending, but I think there was a certain confidence that they believed that they could come into this game and just like just make it a game. Now for the 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 team USA losing and whatnot, like I think I think you need um, longer commitments from your superstars. Like, I don't think you could just throw a team together and then just like win every single game. Yes, obviously you have the talent, right? That comes to factor, but the game is ref differently than the NBA. There's all these different little factors that come into play with it, you know? So I'm not defending the team USA loss, but I do think that there is a situation where if you have commitment from your stars in the long run, you could actually build on something. Because right now it's just about Let's just let's just throw our teams together and beat everybody. But now everybody's becoming better. So two years ago, um, somebody who that was on our show um, a few months ago, Zach Fleer tweeted this. Uh, he said two years ago, 2019, he said, you know, Team USA right now, they had better be careful because the world is catching up. International talent, as you just said, it's catching up. And he just posted on Twitter. So shout out to you, Zach, because, um, you know, you've made some some valid points here. But he said, you know, everybody called me crazy at the time saying, what are, in God's name are you talking about? There's no way that this lineup, even if it was the lineup that you saw out there tonight, I'm sure everybody would say there's no way this team is losing to specifically Nigeria and or Australia um, when you have that much talent on the floor. But as you notice, Coach O, um, and as we're starting to see, the world is becoming an international play is becoming less and less scared of Team USA. 
um, because they go against these guys in the NBA. And listen, the international teams are getting more players that are playing in the NBA on their rosters. These aren't nobodies. I mean, there are dudes on there that are playing night in and night out in the NBA that might just be middle of the pack NBA guys. But when you put a bunch of middle of the pack NBA guys that played that have played together for a long time and are invested, as you said, and have given long commitments and they've built something, that middle of the pack or lower of the pack NBA will come up and beat you sometimes. You know, when you have top heavy talent, as you said, that's just thrown together. Um, and there is good coaching all around the world. I mean, Mike Brown is coaching the Nigerian team. And listen, if there's one thing that guy can do, he can coach defense. And you have Nigeria over there. And give him a little bit of credit. I don't know who the kid was, but he blocked Kevin Durant. And he posted on Instagram, you're not that guy, dude. You're not that <laughs> I mean, but that speaks to what you're saying. The fear has become less and less. And international talent. Um, that has come in the NBA that now goes back around the world and plays in the Olympics. They're just, they're more and more confident every time because they've played together longer. Um, and so team USA needs to, uh, you know, figure out a few things. And, and Zach, as you said, without that leader, um, they need to figure, figure some things out. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk a little free agency, maybe trades, and just maybe give some predictions on who we see going where and what are some actual realistic fits around the league and who needs what. So we'll be right back. Hang with us. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome back to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, episode 24. I'm your host, Mark Tinklenberg. We're coming back. It's Zach. It's Coach O. We're all here. Uh, we have started this episode with um, a, little, a little Kobe talk for episode 24, the NBA Finals, and Team USA. And we're going to finish this episode with some free agency and trades coming up. Um, with the draft looming not too far away, actually. Um, you know, we we need to talk about um some potential things going on. Uh it has be, been made clear Colin Sexton uh is on the trade block and the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to look to trade him and hopefully I'm assuming they are going to want to add Kevin Love in there and have Colin Sexton kind of be the guy that sweetens the pot to get teams to do it. Handful of teams interested. Don't know how that's the major news, though, is obviously the fact that Damian Lillard has made it very clear to his people that he is extremely unhappy, would not be opposed to a trade. Um, I think Portland is going to blow it up. And um, I think the hiring of Chauncey Billups, which I'm going to go out on a limb here, I think it hurt their chances, not because I don't think Chauncey Billups is going to be a great coach. 
And not because I don't think Chauncey Billups is, was a great player. Um, but for whatever reason, Damian Lillard made it very clear who he wanted. Um, he wanted Jason Kidd. And that did not come true as Jason Kidd went back to the Mavs. And Jason Kidd pulled his name out um, almost instantly from the running. Um, he must have had an insight or a heads up that the Dallas job was open where he played and won an NBA championship and wanted to go back there. But it makes you wonder, uh, where does Damian Lillard go? Because, hey, let's face it, guys, wherever he goes and whatever happens, I mean, this could this could shift the powers of the league depending on where this guy ends up because uh, he is that good. I mean, he is a star among stars in the NBA, and he is um, he's as good as it gets at that position. So, um, you know, what do you guys see? kind of happening, shaking out. What's the latest news you know or hear? And um, what do you think would be the best fit for a guy like Damian Lillard? Joe, I'm going to let you start this one because we we somewhat mentioned Lillard's chances on a previous episode of where we think we're going to go. I'll expand on it, but I'd love to hear what you got to see on this one first. This is a tough one because you're talking about somebody who's been elevating his game every year, right? You're talking about somebody who on a given night, looks like he is the best player in the world in some situations, right? Just the way that he plays. It's a tough one because you're almost wondering if he gets traded, are you trading him for another superstar or are you trading him to go play with somebody? So I don't have a concrete answer, but I feel like if he goes somewhere that is a contender, he has to be able to play with maybe a team that doesn't have a main ball handler where he ha- he's going to have to dominate. But I don't have a specific answer. I know it's the first time. I'm sorry. I do not have a specific answer. I'd love for him to go to the Lakers because I feel like LeBron is in a situation where this year he's realized that, you know, I need somebody with me. I need a score. I need, you know, so I'd love to see that happen. But for other situations, it would really depend. The fit would really depend on what pieces are involved in the trade. Yeah, I'd love I, to hear what you guys are saying. Yeah. yeah, we we had mentioned as far as you know where I think he wants to go and what what he would choose and possibilities. I know last time I said for my East and West choice, I thought uh, for contract wise, I thought a. Ben Simmons swap would be something that I, you could kind of see in, in Lillard going to the 76ers. Um, that would be a huge pickup for them, depending on how that would work out and what pieces you'd have to throw up, but throw out. But we all know that if in the offseason, Ben Simmons doesn't show some improvement somewhere or, or the, the want to show improvement somewhere, and he's a, there's a big possibility that he's going to be gone. And that could be, hey, he, every team's going to want to probably take a chance still because he's still young. So you'd think Portland would be that team and have a Chauncey Billup see what he can do with Ben Simmons. I could see that happening. I could also see L.A. happening and more so not only with the chance to play with LeBron and, and A.D. what they're going, but for him personally and being in the uh, in the music industry and all of those things. And L.A. is just a good fit, not only for him on the court, but off the court as well. Being being in that scene is, I mean, that's him. It's Dame time. I could him see him flourishing in LA, be a a big one. And I and I do think he is going to move. That is a star that I think is on the move. 
there's but there's other names out there. Uh, LA needs some help in other places, and I in they're going to make the changes. You know they're going to do it because I mean they have to appease LeBron first and foremost. Um, but who came out today and said he wants to be a Lincoln for life, Coach O? Are you ready for this? He said for at least another four, five, six, or maybe seven years. Uh, yeah, yeah. If LeBron yeah. James is still in the NBA dominating at 43 years old, guys, uh, man, I'm going to be happy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you are going to be happy. You're going to be happy. Um, you, know, you know, Mark, actually, the one I saw, um, what do you think of um, uh, DeRozan? Lakers being interested in DeRozan. That was one I actually meant to ask you a little earlier, and I forgot to do so. I'd love to have you answer that question on here. So here's what I think. Um, and I said this earlier, and, and a lot of fans won't understand this, but I think both of you will. I think L.A. benefits from either a DeRozan or Westbrook trade that brings in a guy. I know it was like, they need perimeter shooting. They need perimeter shooting. Yes, that's fine. They, here's the thing. They have shooters that weren't making shots in the playoffs, but they have shooters. And what they need is one more guy that can just go get you a bucket, that can just get you a quick 6-0 run, a quick 7-8-0 run on, by themselves. And both those guys can do that. Listen, DeMar DeRozan is an extremely underrated scorer still. Um, and, yes, the spacing, everybody worries about the spacing. End of the day, listen, Anthony Davis is going to be your five at the end of the day. And um, – DeMar DeRozan played the four in San Antonio. Um, and LeBron can defend the four and play the three slash point guard on the offensive end. That's the other problem. They went away from LeBron being the point guard. And listen, as good as Dennis Schroeder is in the NBA, because I do think Dennis Schroeder is a really good NBA player, the, no team is better with LeBron off the ball. Um, and he deferred because Dennis Schroeder was there. And so LeBron deferred off of him. But let's face it, when LeBron is playing point guard and he's averaging 10, 11, 12 assists a game and other guys are in rhythm, and then he's just picking up his 25, 27, 28 points, they're virtually unbeatable. And I think that we're overanalyzing the fact that we need to get a we need a new point guard. We need this. No, 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 no. You have your point guard. His name's LeBron James. Okay. <laughs> you have your point guard. And the Lakers are best when he is playing point. And um now they need to go fill in with some scores, guys that can go get it. And Anthony Davis is going to come back, guys. He's gonna be on a mission, I'm telling you. Um and a DeMar DeRozan would be a great fit with the Los Angeles Lakers. Coach, you're, I, I got. I was watching facial expressions, so no, I, I I wanna wanna hear what you think to that. I I agree. I agree. I think I think what what um what LeBron realizes is that on this team now, at 35, 36, 35. Six. Yeah, thirty six. At thirty six years old, you're going into the you're going into the playoffs. You need scores, like you said. You need bucket getters because what will happen is that it'll open up the floor. The gravity is different. The spacing is different. But you need bucket getters. What the Lakers did, and I think they didn't really pay attention to it uh, two years ago because they won. 
um, not two years. Wow, <laughs> it feels like a long year. But when they won in the bubble, I think what what they didn't realize was that you're you have a liability on offense because you have three corner guys, right? You would have guys like um, uh, Danny Green, who when you pass them, if they don't have the open shot, they don't really create anything for your offense. So now, just like you're saying, think it's important for them to go get go get these scores. Because having these scores opens up the floor for the rest of the other two superstars. So now you can't play the pick and roll, the AD LeBron pick and roll the same way. Because you're not guarding somebody who's going to stay at the corners. So when you there, when the pick and roll is happening, you're not guarding, you're not going AD LeBron against five players stagnant. So now when you add these scores, now the pick and roll is different. And I think it opens up the whole floor for it. And nobody okay. makes reads. Nobody makes reads like LeBron. And you know the interesting part is that Dennis Schroeder, his reads and what he thinks coming off a ball screen is completely different than what LeBron is seeing. And so when you take that away from and that element of the game away from him, you know, as you said though, he would pass to Danny Green one hundred out of one hundred possessions in a row if Danny Green was open in the corner because he understands that if he hits one or two, and the defense now has to, he understands that he's getting AD wide open finishes at the rim, and then he's going to get himself to the free throw line and get to the rim, and the spacing is going to happen. He understands that, whereas a lot some of these other guys. They come off a screen like Dennis Schroeder, and he's thinking score. He's thinking, I've got to score. I've got to score. And then the issue is forced a lot of times, and everybody else is out of rhythm. And that's why I keep saying, don't be so obsessed, Laker fans, with finding the next point guard. You have your point guard. He's right there. And you know what? That point guard brought you an NBA championship in 2020. And if he's healthy – he will be able to do it again. He is still that good. That is not going away anytime soon. And I think it's what takes his game still to a higher level than anybody else's at his age. It's his passing. It's not going to be his finishes and his scoring all the time because that will decrease him. But his passing separates him. And that's where I think the Lakers would benefit from a guy like DeMar DeRozan because it allows him to to get those, and then when he's off the floor, you have a one bucket getter on the perimeter. You have a bucket getter inside at summon Anthony Davis. Uh, and obviously, Anthony Davis was arguably the best player in the bubble when he was playing, uh, especially in the playoffs. But you need one other guy on the perimeter that can go do it. And so I, I, I think something like that's more realistic. Don't be surprised if Dennis Schroeder is gone, and don't be surprised if they don't rush to go pick up some big time point guard uh you know free agent or in the trade market i'm gonna i'm and i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback on what you said um by you saying you know lakers fan don't be in a rush to go find i think the lakers even this year had the pieces to actually go deep i know obviously ad being injured was a big was a big uh was a big mishap but i think if you look at they had these aggressive players that they could have played. I just didn't understand the sub pattern. Like THC, I think THC should have played a little bit more because THC is always in attack mode when he's in the when he's when he's uh when he's on the court. Trez, like Trez should have played. And I know people are gonna say, oh yeah, well it's because of the size, because of the 
But what happened is that the Lakers went away from what made them so good, size and skill, and then tried to match Phoenix. So now you're playing Phoenix's game. So, if, I, and I want you to think about this. Um, I want your opinion on this. What if they would have started LeBron up to point, THT, and then you have, oh, let's not even THT. Let's go LeBron, KCP, Trez, AD. Drummond. I understand that there's a situation that people are saying, yeah, but then I'm not, but size cannot be taught. And that's where your advantage was. I don't understand why there was never a thought that maybe Trez should have given us more minutes. I don't, I don't understand it. Or Trez at the four and Mark Gasol at the five. So or Trez. Have, right. You know, I mean, so. Yeah, and and I know Zach has mentioned a couple times to me, mm-hmm. and Zach, you can jump in here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't forget the Lakers were up two one in that series. Yep, and AD was making everybody on the court look like you know they didn't even belong. I mean, he made Aiden look a little foolish those two games. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Um, and, and and Zach, I know you have your opinion on Andre Drummond. What do you think happens with with him? Well, what and did he hurt or help the Lakers? I I think it, to me I I think we were both on the same page thinking what they were gonna what he was gonna add when we first go oh hey he's getting bought out that's gonna be a huge addition for the for the Lakers and you know now he's on his social media rant if he would have played more consistent role or you know have have those minutes he would have he would have done things but. You know, sorry, it's hard to say, Bub. If, if we give you a small sample size and you have flashes, but nothing really that looks like can help us much, and you're just in foul trouble and you're sitting down early, he looked confused. Am I wrong there? He looked confused a lot of times while being on the floor. Like he had no idea. Like he blacked out and didn't know what he was doing. Um, and Tink, you can you you're the Lakers guy. You watch more minutes than I do. That's what I saw in the minutes with him. I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a Laker. I, I don't think that they're going to resign him because honestly, I don't think he was happy with his role. And why force that? If the relationship's not there, then you, you move on. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think he is going to end up being that Dwight Howard kind of role. You were once like like the guy. Now, like, now I need you to go get me some rebounds. And let me add to that. So here's why the Lakers lost. Are you ready? The Lakers lost because they had the similar pieces that they needed. And this goes for a lot of teams. But they were missing the one thing that they had in 2020 that they did not have this year. And you can, you can you know, chalk it up to whatever you want. You can say short offseason. You can say whatever. Rob Palenka made one mistake. And it wasn't one that I thought was going to catch up to them. I thought they had too much talent to overcome it. But when you lose a guy like Dwight Howard and you, you lose a guy like Danny green, and I'm even going to throw this name out there and you lose a guy like JaVel McGee. Okay. Three guys that played their role to perfection because the Lakers are LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then everybody else fall in line and get yours where it comes. And that's it. That's when the Lakers are at their best. This year, they had LeBron James, Anthony Davis. 
Then they had Schroeder come in and immediately start demanding a starting spot. Okay. You had uh, a confused, as you said, um, Mark Gasol because of Andre Drummond, who was also confused because Andre Drummond comes in thinking he's going to be a, a savior to the Lakers and get them over the top at the expense of Mark Gasol, who's in there, who signed a two-year contract, who's thinking, now, hold on a minute. <laughs> we were 21-6 and six to start the year. We're running through the NBA, and now you sign this guy uh, you know, on, on a minimum deal, and he comes in and he instantly gets a starting spot when I've been here. And we, you know, before LeBron goes down and AD goes down, we got the best record in the league and we're rolling through people. And, oh, and my brother's jersey is going to be retired in the rafters. And I'm sacrificing everything I've ever done offensively to just be a great defender and passer and, and set guys up on this team. Okay. And as you guys have mentioned, uh, Frank Vogel severely was. Uh, he underestimated the chemistry issues that come with me messing with people's time and um, giving people time that wasn't deserved. And then you lose out on guys like Dwight Howard and JaVel and Danny Green. And let me just add this name in there real quick, Tink. You're, you're forgetting a Kyle Kuzma who they're expecting so much from, and this is going to be his year to be the third piece yes. in the big three that they were hoping and he has identity issues. And again, another guy going to social media. If I have a consistent role, I can be a 25 point a game, yep. you know, scorer. Yep. How many guys have said that now from the Lakers? Do we yes. really have to question why they lost? I right. think it has become relatively clear. And let me make something as clear as can be. Kyle Kuzma has taken some great steps defensively, but I want to make something very clear. Kyle Kuzma is not that dude in the NBA. And he will, ne he will never be. If I am wrong, so help me God, I will, you know, I will come on here and apologize less than right. But I'm telling you right now, Kyle Kuzma is not that guy on a championship team. He's not. He took some great strides defensively. He did sacrifice. You know, he was always, he always came in and played hard. But offensively, guys, he was chucking stuff off the backboard. And I mean, he had no clue about time, situation, you know, what do we need to get here? So cost a lot. A lot of people can score 25 points in a game. If you have a chance to throw up 50 shots. Correct. Like, I mean, that's what I see for cop. Yeah. You could go to a team and be the guy, but how many shots are you going to throw up and how much you're going to demand the ball? Yeah. You can go get 25 points. Easy. That's easy. And you're going to have 18 yeah. wins as a team. Correct. So that's it for us guys. Um, we got an interesting uh, few weeks coming up here with, the end of the NBA finals, um, the draft trades, free agency. So we will be back. We will be back. And um, we promise you that whether it's here or in a different format, we will continue to give you everything we got when it comes to the NBA. So for coach O, Zach and myself, we bid you adieu and we will see you soon for episode 25. I can promise you that Mambo on three boys. One, two, three. Mama. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, subscribe, or comment on any of our social media sites at X underscore breakdown. See you next week. And remember, Mamba on three.